Thanks for tuning in to Andrea in the Morning. This is Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and following. I hope you've liked our page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash sugar-free coach, as well as on Twitter. You can catch me on Twitter at sugar-free coach. I will follow back and reciprocate. I always do. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are listening to another episode of the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, Andrea in the Morning. And this is our um, third episode in the series, um, creators and writers and all types of just uh, brilliant minds, whether it be filmmakers or illustrators, this is our writing series or creator series. We haven't really, you know, decided on a name for the whole thing because it's becoming more and more diverse as more people get involved. Um, this is the third episode, and today we're going to be speaking with Daniel Chapman. Um, he is an author, a musician, and a microbiologist. I've read two of his books. One is um, Can You Find a Four-Leaf Clover? And the other is Teach a Girl to Fish. Very excited to share with you um, this interview, and I hope you appreciate it. Um, be sure to go back and listen to the previous episodes. Uh, the first couple episodes in this series, we spoke with um, Brian Cutter, and actually we're going to be um, sharing a clip with you from him as well, because as I promised, um, you can continue to ask questions, and, and my awesome guests are going to continue to answer them for you. Um, so today we're going to be talking about quite a bit and it's all relevant and everything builds on each other. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, go back and do that. If you haven't picked up your copy of Living Sugar Free Revealed Aspie Secrets, that's available on Amazon. And of course, you can find all these links from my website. Be sure to follow, share, click like, and let my wonderful guests know how much you appreciate them sharing their heart, their perspective um, with you. And uh, after the break, we're going to get into it with Daniel. And um, he's just such an amazing guy. I'm so very excited and I appreciate his perspective so much. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Happy Friday. Today we are talking with Daniel Chapman. He is an author. He's an artist, musician. He is, oh my goodness, a published, published author, I should have said. He's a musician, uh, producer, I believe, and microbiologist. Correct me if I'm wrong, sir. Uh, yep. <laughs> right. I I do. I dabble in a little bit of everything. That is so awesome. I mean, it's really, I mean, to have, what do they used to call it? A polymath, to have a talent in the arts, but also to, to have a scientific mind. That's a very unique mix. So, you know, I'm on the spectrum. I just recently as an adult was diagnosed with autism on the Asperger's end of the spectrum, whatever, however you want to word that. 
Um, and I'm also a veteran PTSD and I know that we have some similarities in common. So I'll just let you, you know, tell a little bit about yourself and then I'll ask some specific questions and let you get in my hot seat. How's that? that sounds perfect. Um, actually I was, I was just diagnosed in my, uh, 2017 to be exact, uh, right around when I published my first book, uh, can you find a four leaf clover? Um, I was uh, dealing with some things, I guess, some uh, not typical, they were normal tendencies for me, but um, uh, my fiance kind of looked at me and was like, uh, you're kind of a little bit angrier than I'm used to, maybe. And, and it was sound advice, honestly. Um, so I went to, I kind of sat down with, with the therapist and I was like, look, I've sat in a therapist's office before they told me things. I told them I don't believe in those things. I do my own research. So whatever you're going to tell me, just know I'm going to research first. Just, she kind of uh, let me talk for like a month straight and then just kind of casually looked at me. I was like, uh, hey, I want you to consider something. Uh, and uh, it was eye-opening. It was terrifying at first. Uh, probably spent a good three, four, six months, if I'm being honest with myself, uh, <laughs> in kind of a crisis mode, like, oh my God, what does this mean now? Uh, and then recently over the past year or so, I've been kind of working on uh, acceptance, understanding that it changes nothing about me. I am who I've always been. That is true. That autism is a spectrum disorder. Uh, that is what the ASD stands for. And being on the spectrum uh, means not brain functions a little bit better, I like to think. I think so, too. <laughs> it, it's nice to hear someone else say that. You know, you, you know, of course, you have your birds of a feather, and eventually you come across various people who are like-minded. But it's nice to meet a total stranger that I don't have to try to convince that your uniqueness is quite possibly a gift if you're able to tap oh my into God, it. Yes. Yeah, excellent. But okay. So you said your fiance, you said then are you are you fianced? Or are you married? Uh, fianced. Um since Okay. Y'all, he's off the market, so don't be stalking <laughs> him, okay? Yeah, definitely soon to be. Now, did you write? Okay, so you guys, I've read both of his books, and I'm here to tell you, I mean, if you have children, even if you don't have children, if you're just like a kid at heart like I am, <laughs> you should read both of them. They're very quick reads, and you actually feel good after you read them. You know, some things that you read, and they kind of leave you heavy, you feel good after you've read both of these books. So I want to ask you, um, Teacher Girl to Fish, did you actually write that about a, about your daughter? Uh, funny thing, I actually don't have any children. <laughs> oh, well, that's even more yeah, impressive. My, my best friend actually just messaged me today and was like, because uh, she just got her copy and uh, read it. I was like, if I didn't know you didn't have children, I would think you had a daughter. And I was like, well, that just means it's um, was written on mine who uh, recently had a daughter and he read my first book and then he asked me if I could do something 
around the realm of a dad and daughter fishing. Oh, wow. So I, I tapped in. I, I have some experiences. Um, a cousin I grew up with, uh, I know fishing is one of her favorite things to do. Uh, she used to do it all the time with my grandfather, who my first book was written about. Uh, and then my fiance is actually one of her favorite things to do. Uh, I'm sorry. And she used to go all of the time and tells me all of those stories about how she went to fish, fishing with her grandfather and her other mom and how these experiences build up. And then I thought about how I would like to raise a child when I eventually have them. Um, so luckily it all came together and worked out for the best. Well, I love fishing too. And I grew up fishing and everything that you read hit home for me. You know, um, I actually hooked my sister my big sister in the hand when we first went fishing when we were young. <laughs> but um, I, it just was so amazing. I love, love, love that book. I mean, it left me wanting more, to be honest with you. So I don't know if maybe you could do a sequel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how y'all feel about that now. He doesn't have children for those of y'all to have children. But it, it, I don't think I don't think you necessarily have to live in someone's shoes to be able to empathize and relate. I really don't. What, how do you feel about right. that? Uh, I believe important to share in those experiences uh, I think uh, it's something the human experience is, is unique in that we all find uh, a way to be detached from we all like to live in our little niches and feel that uh, because this is my thing you know it nobody else can understand it or experience it but I feel like that kind of blocks people from being able to understand and experience it uh, so I like to try myself specifically to try and put myself in shoes that are unfamiliar to me. Um, and, you know, I don't have kids now, but I will one day. Um, and mm -hmm. so I don't think it's far-fetched for me to, you know, daydream about what that would be like. My mom likes to say this uh, thing, the saying that she has that they don't have a manual on raising kids. And I think that is the truest, craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, so okay. I think um, it's kind of up to us to build one. And I think that's really where it comes into play, the whole it takes a village to raise a child thing. You know, you're going to have people who don't have kids, but who understand what it's like to live a childhood. Um, and I think we should really allow ourselves to open ourselves and those around us and under us to those experiences so they can have a full, real, active, healthy childhood. That's a good word right there. And I agree with you a hundred percent. That's, that's excellent. I mean, um, there's a lot of different scenarios and, current events. And I mean, that what you just said, we can apply that to so many, so many different things. And it could really help so many people right now, really, because your solution, your help, your advice, you know, your, your education, your, your example, your blessing, whatever the thing is that you need, it's not going to necessarily come from someone exactly like you, or who's been everywhere you've been. As a matter of fact, it's likely not to, you right. know, if you, 
if you want something you've never had, you got to go somewhere you've never been, right? right? <laughs> so tell me about this microbiology thing. I mean, wh- what does that entail? I have no idea. I mean, I know what biology is, and I assume microbiology is at a more micro level. I mean, a more detailed are you, I mean, are you dealing with amoeba? I mean, how, how, what, I mean, I don't know if it's top secret, but, you know, tell us as much as you can. <laughs> no, no, no secrets. Um, I got technology. I'm actually pursuing uh, med school uh, coming up in, planning on taking the MCAT the beginning of the year 2020 and planning on enrolling in med school by the end of 2020. Um, but I wanted to do something different than just going the pre-med route. Basically, pre-med is just a bunch of science classes. Uh, and though I love a bunch of science classes, I love application way more. Uh, so I wanted to do where I could apply the information I was learning while also trying to grow uh, further. So I kind of I went to school for biology and then had a teacher pull me aside and was like, hey, why don't you think about biology? Um, so she threw me in a couple of biotech classes and my first classes were of microbiology. And uh, I found it so interesting how you could take small cells, bacteria, mold, yeast, and manipulate them into being useful products um, for society in general. Uh, so my interest grew in that. And um, I have a natural love for food and microbiology and food kind of like go hand in hand a lot of times. Wow. <laughs> Y'all know I don't get speechless. That I mean, I, we do not have enough time for all of the questions that just popped <laughs> into my head. And, you, you know, you guys, you know, my audience knows me, you know, we don't, worry about background sound we don't worry about technology issues you might hear my puppy barking in the background whatever you know we're just doing this casually so um i you know i always have a list of questions to ask people but usually lucky me i get people that are so fascinating to me never mind all those basic questions i want to know about this you know because i didn't know these things before now but I can't, I can't even go into all of the list of questions. You're going to have to come back. You're going to have, you're going to have to do um, what I did with the first guest that we had for the writing series. Um, I put it out there that people could ask questions and I'm telling y'all the same thing. Hopefully Daniel doesn't mind. Um, If you have questions, send them in, send them through Instagram, preferably go to our anchor site and ask the questions. You can, you can send a message and we'll air your question on the air, or you could just, you know, type a message or whatever. And I'll try to get Daniel to answer the questions because, you know, for the writers, for the autistic people, I mean, so many different things, you guys. So this is my second interview with someone who's in a multicultural relationship. So in the current events of the day, you know, Daniel, I'm Miss Champion. I'm Miss, people call me whitewash, which I'm not. I went to Spelman College, you know. I know my history. I grew up around all black people, et cetera, et cetera. But I always also grew up around a lot of white people. And I went to high school where it was like, I was the only black girl, but it wasn't a lot of Americans. It was all, you know, Ethiopian and Indian and, and, you know, Chinese and Japanese and every kind of nationality that you could imagine. And so the hairs kind of stand up on my back when I'm in a situation where people are being biased, but not racist. I'm talking about black people being biased against white people. 
And so I find myself in a lot of arguments, discussions, debates, and what have you. And so I just think it's very interesting that my first two interviews, y'all, I did not do this on purpose. Um, My first interview is a white American who's married to a black American. And is your fiance, is she American or is she of another nationality? She is American. (laughs) And, And so no Italian, French, no other, you know, half and half or anything nope. like that and are you american no you're not like from the islands or anything nope, like 100% that 100 and y'all i ask because you don't know just because somebody speaks like they sound like they have an american accent or because they look a certain color you don't know so i always ask so first i had a white american male that's married to a black american female and now i have a black american male that's married to a white american female so um <laughs> we are covering all <laughs> all of the all of the areas and you know um hopefully i'm gonna have this um i think she's from salvador who i'm reading her book right now she's amazing but you guys my my goal is to give you an insight into all these different people and how we come together like daniel just described you know, by finding the common ground. So we're both autistic, for example. Yes, you're a male, I'm a female, whatever. But we all have something in common and a place that we can find common ground on. And um, so I want to talk more about now. I'm going to shift. I'm going to do a break because we're at 15 minutes. And I'll, um, you know, after that little quote, I'll do a break. But when I come back, I'm going to ask you uh, another question. We'll go a whole different direction. So now you can breathe, grab a sip of water, do whatever you want to do. If you want to say anything, does it sound good, or you want to ask me anything or anything like that, we'll take a beat and I'll, I'll edit. How'd it right your here. trip to the VA go? <laughs> okay, all in all, it was good. I can't complain. The the nurse was very nice. Um, hopefully, it's positive. I think she's probably going to give me a good report. When I say good report, you know, um, recommend me for approval. But I didn't know I was seeing a nurse. And not a lot of people will relate to this, but I know you will. You don't tell somebody that they're going to go to a meeting where somebody's going to ask some questions and then they get there and have to take their clothes off. You don't do that. You prepare me for that so I can have my mind right. And so the guy, when he made the appointment, told me that I, I was just going in for like an interview, asked how that I got there. And she's like, okay, you can get take your top off and put the gown on now. And I kind of was like, mm, breathe. Okay. You know, whatever. So, um, that was weird. And then when I first got there, I think you probably saw the post. The guy asked me when I asked him where the claims office was, he asked me if I needed the lost and found, like I lost something. Like we're at a VA <laughs> hospital, but you're not still not assuming that I'm a veteran. Come on, dude, snap out of it. But it was nice because afterwards, you know, I dropped something. I was looking for it. And he walked up and asked me what I was looking for. And I looked up and saw him. And I was like, oh, I was like, you're on point this time. I was like, because when I first came in, you asked me if I had lost something. He was like, yeah, yeah, that was me. I said, okay, but don't do that to no other females that come to the um, VA. That's not cool. He said, I know, I know. I'm sorry. You're right. (laughs) So I felt better, you know, after that. And then my mama took me to Cracker Barrel. So I'm good now. It was it was the perfect day to get all that off of me before I had my interview so I could be, you know, comfortable and really focus in on your story and everything. Cause well, wow. Okay, so I'm gonna come back from the break now. Um, enough about me. <laughs> um, we're we're back from the break, you guys. Y'all know we were talking and I was talking his head off while we were on break. But um so much I wanna ask you. Um 
Daniel is not only a, an author, and I've read both his books and they're awesome, and he's also a microbiologist, you guys, but he's also a musician. Musician and producer? Uh, I have been producing my own music, self I've been investigating. I thought I saw that. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. And while you're telling me about your music, we want to know, the audience wants to know, I guess I won't say we, because people kind of say the same thing about me. Um, like you do too much, you know, you find that. I mean, it, and it's interesting because I'm not ADHD. <laughs> I'm not like on multiple places on the spectrum, which some people are, and it's unique, but um, being autistic and being, yeah. Um, attention deficit, not ADHD, but ADD, um, can be very similar and can show up in very similar ways. And so for me, I can identify, you know, and um, our other guest was explaining, Brian was explaining, you know, his reason for working on 50 million projects at one time. But, you know, do you feel that it's something that you have to do? Do you feel like it's something that you're able to do? How do you do all of this? Uh, purely off the strength of will. <laughs> I do it mostly because I can. Um, I grew up in a family where attentions were kind of running all over the world. Uh, so it was a lot of kind of snap now your attention's on something else, snap, now your attention's on something else. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with just like doing so much and I find it hard to give up doing any part of what I love. And I get, I get it a lot of time too. Um, why, why, why do you try and do so much? Like, why do you want to be the rapping poet, author, doctor, and my response is simply, look, in the 1700s, 1800s, whatever, the, a lot of the famous scientists we, we idolize about weren't just scientists. They were scientists and inventors and painters and musicians and all of this. And I, I find the notion ridiculous now that we all of a sudden have to confine ourselves to being or doing one thing uh and then i i kind of like kind of started with poetry in fifth grade i was kind of forced into a club and then i wrote this very very awful poem uh i will admit but uh because i am a try harder uh and it made me really want to doing it that way I wasn't bad at it anymore. Uh, and then my brother got into music and my brother's kind of like my, I hate to say out loud, but he's kind of like my idol. So I kind of was like, well, you do music. I want to do music too. Uh, and I felt really cool um, doing music, but realized that I wasn't quite good at that. So I wanted to get better. Um, and kept doing it and doing it. And the more I do it, the more I fall in love with it. As in the more, I think that's true for anything that you get good at. Um, the, mm -hmm. the better you get at something, the more you enjoy doing it. Uh, so I think because I just enjoy being bad at stuff, it makes me want to do it more. And then I get good at it and I enjoy it even more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That's um, something that I can definitely relate to. We have a, you know, when people say, you know, that whole question about your strengths and your weaknesses or, you know, what things are you really good at? But like whatever I do, it's almost like this little, and it's not a perfection thing. It's not really a competition with anyone else. It's just this obsession with mastering the thing. (laughs) yeah yeah and the whole polymath thing I totally get I mean I was just maybe watching a documentary I think it was the other day and they were talking about and I really had never read much up on this or saw this but they were talking about the Mayan calendar and the iron age and the you know all these different ages and going into an enlightenment age and they were talking about um, a matriarchal society versus a patriarchal society. And they were talking about how during that time, during the Egyptian age or the empires, um, (laughs) everyone was creative. It wasn't just if you were an artist or if you were on television, of course they didn't have television, but you know, it wasn't just if you got paid for a thing, everyone express themselves through some form of art because really everyone does have some form of, of, expression you know even if you sing like a a dying chicken like (laughs) I do (laughs) you know you you have some form of artistic expression you know and and so I really appreciate your perspective and explaining it that way thank you so much for that welcome back and thank you for sticking with us You've been listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, and this is our third episode in the Creator Series. And today we've been talking with uh, Daniel Chapman, but uh, we're going to flash back, if you will. Uh, We had a question um, from one of our audience members and an online friend, and we, so we got Brian to answer the question, but we're also going to circle back and have Daniel chime in on it as well. Um, So... This shout out is to a Instagram and Twitter friend. Her name is Lee Grissom, and she's the author of Saber Six. And actually, I'm going to be listening to that on audiobook, and I'll be sharing that with you because it sounds awesome and very adventurous. That's why I chose to do that one on audio. What better way to get in all the books you can other than to listen when you can't read, right? But then after Saber 6, there's a sequel book, and I'll tell you what that one is called in just a second. Um, But she posed a question uh, for Brian, and she said, um, I've seen how he has so many projects going on and has young warriors in the house. How does he balance out his time? I struggle with a day job, among other annoyances. How does he make the time to write? Thanks in advance. And thank you, Lee, for sharing that question with us. Please do follow her on Twitter, the critic at I am the critic, as well as on Instagram. And uh, her second book is called, oh, I'm sorry, I think I better listen to him in order. And she told me KLS9 is first. And then after that, then there's Saber 6. Okay, so I'm going to be listening to those. And of course, I'll share my review with you all. Um, and we're going to circle back, like I said. Oh, and you can also follow her on Instagram at the underscore critic 44. So we're going to circle back and we're going to let Brian answer that question. And then as well, Daniel's going to chime in on it as well. Because, you know, if you guys want to know about balance, what better way than to get multiple perspectives? Because we're all different. So thanks. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Hey, guys. Um, 
My friend Lee had asked uh, how I balance work life um, as far as being able to write and, and be a creator and, and do all this this uh, amazing shit that I talk about doing in my um, in my interview. And the real the short and easy answer. I want to be flippant, but I don't have time. Um, the short and easy answer is that I I prioritize everything. Um, for one thing, I'm retired military, so I don't. Writing is my day job. For another thing, I um, everything else I just I just prioritize according to what are the most important things to me and what I actually have time for. You know, family's most important, so they come first. The writing just kind of rolls around that. So do what you have to do for you. So thanks so much to Brian for coming back and answering that question for us. So as, I, as I said, we're going to circle back to that and we're going to let uh, Daniel chime in on uh, balance and creativity. But first, I want him to share with you a little bit about his music projects. We kind of were talking during the break and uh, he's got a just an amazing passion and talent for music. Well, I'll just let him tell you more about it. Uh, M-E-H-J-I. Thank you. I was close. <laughs> Meji, Meji ENT. Um, Meji ENT. So that goes back to uh, my friends, who I call my brothers. They are very near and dear to my heart. Um, so a special shout out to 117 Pope and Vuski and Trey Five Cast. Uh, I met these guys um, when I was in high school. Uh, when I kind of had started off doing music to impress my brother and me and my brother made some goofy videos. Uh, and then I joined this Floetic Lyricist Club um, at the school I went to, uh, Baltimore Polytechnic Institute. Um, they had this club where they would put on a concert every year and they had, uh, they would get together all these groups of artists, from playwrights and songstresses and everything you can imagine so I joined because I wanted to push my artistic depths and um, ended up pursuing music with a friend of mine uh, Delano Franklin um, who kind of helped show me the ropes on how to like produce different things and whatnot and then uh, a year after I joined uh, and walks this group they called themselves FGE uh, whatever that stood for at the time, uh, Fatal Gang Elite, I believe. Um, but these three guys, they, they grew up as friends from well before I knew, knew them. They were friends in like elementary school and middle school. Uh, and I just remember listening to these guys and being so impressed at what they did and the energy with which they did it. Uh, so I kind of like always kind of supported their path uh, and then at the time, I was working with my friend Delano um, on kind of starting a label of our own to show support to Baltimore artists um, and local artists and trying to get the local art scene pushing and moving because I kind of am a firm believer of independence. Um, I believe if someone out there has done it before, there's no reason why you can't do it might take a little bit extra work on figuring out how they did it, but 
mm-hmm. you can certainly do it. Uh, so we kind of started doing this label thing because I was going to pursue music fully. Because um, I, I actually had a teacher in high school as I, I was graduating. Uh, and she kind of looked at me and she was like, where are you going, trouble? I was a bit of a... <laughs> bit of a <laughs> nuisance in high school I will admit um, but it was clear that uh, my teachers didn't really believe um, that I was willing to succeed um, or that I could I actually sat down with my guidance counselor uh, after everyone was supposed to have applied for college and you know I don't come from the greatest home background, you know, single mom, poor neighborhoods, you know, the, the works. <laughs> and um, so I, I kind of had a lot of things on my mind that were, to me seemed more important than applying to college at the time. And she just kind of looked at me and was like, you need to apply somewhere because um, I don't know where you think you're getting in, but this isn't it. So I took that as let's apply to Harvard. Uh, just, just to show, I actually got interviewed uh, and got on the wait list. The only thing that kept nice. the only thing that kept me from getting to Harvard was a, a FAFSA form that was filled out too late. They are serious. Nice. Funny. I know. I felt so. I felt so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I actually had a similar conversation with my guidance counselor, but I was. I think I, in my head, did the same thing you did. Like, oh, everybody's going to college. I'm going to go to Boston University, even though I was a BC student that could have been a straight A student. (laughs) And my guidance counselor told me that I was never going to get in. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. (laughs) I did get in. (laughs) But, you know, I went to Spelman instead. But still, it's just the point. When she said, you could do whatever you want to do, you know, if you just apply yourself and you never know when that person is going to be placed at that desk that day to review, because that's where you're supposed to be. Right. And I, yeah, I, I, I love that word. Never. I actually ended up having a, the Harvard recruit um, who was a Baltimore local who owned a, an online journal, ended up having coffee with her at Starbucks and she just nice. loved me. <laughs> she was like, I will write this. However, I need to write this to get you in. And then offered me a job, and I was like, this is beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. I love that story. So I I actually ended up moving to Harrisburg to go to school uh, and putting music up full time. um, And then was contacted uh, my junior year of college um, by these guys from, you know, my junior year of high school who I hadn't talked to in years. I kind of noticed they were still doing the music thing. Uh, and they kind of looked at me and they were like, huh, you know, you were kind of on to something with that whole do-it-yourself thing. Um, and they kind of fell on hard times themselves, but then decided to bend back together as a group and support each other and decided to start this this label. Uh, Meji and T is kind of like a, a supportive group for literally all art. Uh, so I was like, you know what? That's something I can take and run with and support fully. So what does Meji mean or stand for? Uh, Meji is about family. It is about 
It's about family and honesty and true love and support without judgment, without fear, uh, without hesitation. Wow. And where can the people go listen to this music? Tell us where, where they should start, where you want. Is there, is, should they start with the website or would you rather them go to YouTube or SoundCloud or where, where do they go listen? Uh, I would say go to Spinrilla. Go to Spinrilla.com and search in Meggie Leaks or Meggie ENT. Either one is fine. Um, and you guys, we'll, we'll post the links after the show as well, but just, you know, in case you can't wait, <laughs> you just go, go listen. Cause I've listened a little bit and it, it's here in the backstory. It's like, okay, now I understand why you get the feeling that you get when you listen. Yeah. Uh, I, I absolutely felt I was like, Oh yeah, this is something I actually had quit music for a long time. And then I'd started thinking about doing it again. Cause I was like, you know, it's something I like doing. I shouldn't stop doing it just because I'm doing something that seems not related. Uh, and then these guys come in and they're like, do it, do it all. <laughs> just do it all. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> so you're from the DMV area. Yep. I was born in Delaware, um, raised here for seven years, moved to Baltimore uh, when I was about seven years old, uh, and then raised there until I was 18. Wow. So basically, that's it's weird because um, I'm from the DMV area, not born, but that's where all my family is from. I was actually born abroad, but so I'm in Virginia now. But um, Brian is in Baltimore area or D.C., I think. Well, somewhere, DMV. I just say DMV because usually when we say D.C., we're really not in D.C. We're not really, you know, just easier to say DMV. So, um, but he's, you guys are talking on a very similar vibe. So that's interesting. You're a microbiologist and he's, didn't even want me to say it. So I was um, nuclear physicist, okay? You know, you're the author, musician, he's a filmmaker, and he's talking about creating his own studio um, because of the whole Hollywood drama and the issues that he's seen as a white male, but certainly the issues that I've had or that other people have had, you know, and he said it just shouldn't be like that. And he said the only way we're going to change is if we create our own. So it was just listening to you talk and listening to him talk. I met you on Instagram and I met him on Twitter. So because of his interview, now he's coming over to Twitter. So I'm actually playing a little clip of his um, when we talked about balance. And and I'm going to let you elaborate on this a little bit further. I really love what you said about being a polymath and really, you know, tapping into a bunch of different areas and how the scientist was also the writer and the musician. Um, And he said that um, balance is really for him just about prioritizing. You know, his family comes first. He's married and he's got two really cute kids. And, um, you know, he said, and then all the other stuff is almost like you're filling in. And so how do you, you know, you've got all that. We talked about your drive and your passion for it, but how do you balance the time, you know, because, you know, yeah, we all have the same 24 hours. Some of us sleep less than others do and get more done in the 24 hours, but how do you get it all done? Um, To... I guess piggyback bounce off of what, what Brian was saying, that family aspect is really important. I, I think for me, it's, um, uh, I'm, and I'm sure Brian is a, is a physicist can, can agree. Einstein, uh, definitely one of the greats, uh, 
theory of relativity, time is definitely relative, and I believe space is also relative. And uh, so there, there are times, and I'm pretty sure most people can agree that there are times, days where you just feel like, wow, this day was so long, or wow, this day was so short. I don't know what happened to it. Um, so for, for me, at least in my experience, um, spending time around my loved ones or involving my loved ones or thinking about my loved ones um, kind of helps me expand my day a little bit um, because mm. I don't feel like I'm losing anything when I start to push you know them to the side and it, it, it's happened where I get so involved in a task or you know I'm writing this poem obsessively or writing this song obsessively I get so involved in the task that I won't speak to anyone for days and I'm like wow those days went by really quickly and it feels like I got almost nothing done and, mm-hmm. and there are days where I just like I'll wake up and just let's spend this first hour, hour and a half, however long it takes, just holding my fiance. I'll spend 30 minutes bugging my older brother about something he probably doesn't care about. Uh, and then it just seems to ease the day from there and things just seem to fall into place where it's like, okay, now I feel like I know what I should be doing next. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we have to talk autism right now because I swear, this clip right here, I'm going to replay this clip, this particular, this quote from you over and over again. That was such great wisdom and such great advice. And I, me, the introvert, I don't, not talking to people for days on end, that's like standard for me. I could do that. No big deal, right? Yeah. But I'm not married again, you guys. So if you're married, you should not be not talking to people for days. But, you know, if you have children, I'm not condoning that. But, you know, when you're single, sometimes if you live by yourself at periods of time, you know, I have before, it's no big deal for me. You know, I try what you just now said. I try to do that. You know, when my sister and I have cohabitated together or my mom or whoever, I even for a period of time, they were laughing at me hysterically because I would wake up in the mornings and I would walk up to whoever's in the kitchen making coffee or whatever and give them a hug. And they're like, what are you doing? Not because that they don't like it, but because they know that's not me. And I'm like, I know y'all humans like love, you know, hugs. So I'm trying to get better about hugging. And this is your good morning hug. Good morning, you know. And so we had a little thing for a little while we would do. The the amount of um, clarity and energy and, if you will, just feel goods that you have to be able to accomplish a task when you give that love is mind-blowing and it can make those hours in the day seem more productive and and more you know not go by as fast if you will yep absolutely that was so profound wow thank you so much for sharing that with us because i'm a part of a lot of autism communities and i wonder i wonder if those of us who are late diagnosed if the people who've who were diagnosed young have a harder time with, I mean, certainly we have our own issues, you know, and, and not, and and growing up, you know, having conflict with people and not understanding what that thing about you is that people want you to change that you can't change and then having to not care. That's a whole nother, you know, thing. And certainly knowing, you know, you have that explanation, but I wonder maybe if people who are diagnosed early 
maybe have a harder road with the whole stigma and label of what they're not good at and what they can't do and whatever, as opposed to us who we were just around other people who just had to not care and be yourself and play your hard role or whatever type of thing that people put on to get through this society. We had to do that as opposed to having an excuse not to. And, um, you know, I'm not social. I'm not a social person. I don't bite my tongue about it. I don't, I don't feel no kind of ways about it. I, I am who I am, but I recognize that other humans need certain things and it's almost like doing a kindness to give it to them. Right. So instead of kind of licking our wounds and crying about being autistic and different, maybe we could just, as much as we don't like hugs, do your good deed for the day, do your kind act for the day and go give somebody a hug. Even if it's, you know, your mom or your kid or whoever, you know, just because, you know, that's what other people need. Because if we want people to be accepting of us and bend for us, certainly we can bend in the areas that we can bend. I mean, I can't change my personality, but I can certainly give you a hug, even though it makes my skin crawl or whatever, you know? Yeah. I love that. That's so great. I grew up, um, my, both of my brothers are non-neurotypical. My younger brother was actually diagnosed with Asperger's when he was younger. Um, and my older brother was diagnosed with uh, ADHD. Um, so like we were in and out of therapy a lot uh, as a group because my mom is also diagnosed with bipolar and uh, multiple personality disorder uh, and PTSD. But um, so like I, I've been in and out of therapist's office and uh, I guess because of how I am as a person uh, compared to my brothers, um, almost every therapist kind of looked at me and was like, okay, that's the normal one. That's the normal one. Right. And if, right. And my mom would be like, oh, you know, he's the one who doesn't give me problems. Uh, so like, right. I, I spent my whole life thinking like, okay, I'm normal. I'm normal. What's wrong? Like I'm normal, but I don't feel normal. Like what's up? Like there's right. some things. Um, so like there's actually, uh, I've been working on this, I guess this article piece I've been trying to write because I, I, I find it very important. That's why I appreciate what you do. I love, love, love your book, by the way. I really appreciate Thank what you, you do. I, I think bringing awareness is, is important because ASD, it's a, it's a spectrum and we all like fall on different points along the yes. spectrum. And those experiences, dip, like they differ vastly, but those differences can kind of either hurt or um, so I've been working on this article called uh, normal is not neurotypical because I had a hard time coming to coming to those terms honestly because I'm like okay I've been told I was normal my whole life and now I'm learning some things about me that aren't necessarily neurotypical and then I realized that People kind of use those terms interchangeably. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so like my brother, my brother's definitely not neurotypical, my older brother, but he's an extrovert for sure. He loves affection, physical affection, and he he gives lots of hugs. Like that, that's his love language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I cringe every honestly, I do, and he knows it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if he's just feeling some type of way where he just needs to hug his little brother, 
mm-hmm. but I. I'm going to clam up and mm-hmm. turn into a brick and my fist might ball up and I might look at him like he's stupid until he releases. Mm-hmm. But I let him latch on and hug me and hold me as long as he needs to. Uh, and, you know, if it gets too uncomfortable for me, he'll respect that and, you know, yeah. he'll release and back off. But, you know, it's, it's, some, it's definitely something I, I do believe that kind of growing up without the label kind of helped me overcome some of those things. Um, and I used to get very, uh, I guess, agitated um, as a kid. You know, my mom used to, oh, you're just being sensitive. Oh, he's just so mm-hmm. sensitive. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I would have these feelings. I just didn't know how to describe them. Mm-hmm. Not to verbalize, hey, you're being too much. <laughs> Could you just chill for a sec? Right. Uh, so, you know, it would turn in, into crying and tears and then yep. nothing. And then growing up in the family that I grew up in, uh, it, it usually just resulted in, okay, I'm going to make this a lot worse for myself if I continue to push this issue. So I'll just say nothing and learn how to yes. to their yes. business. So I think uh, you're. Uh, I think you quoted it. This is actually how we met. You quoted it on my Instagram post. I uh, posted about my grandmother forcing me to eat, um, and that quote has become like my life motto. Uh, too well adjusted to be autistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it is for a long time. I thought it was something wrong with me being told that hey you know now you fall on this spectrum and um these these are some things you should watch for and but as i learned more about myself and more about what asd is uh, mm-hmm. and then interact with more people in the community you now I've, I've come to the realization that you know there's there's nothing wrong there may be some tendencies that I guess neurotypical people don't find okay for their space, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Um, it's just learning how to interact with one another uh, in an efficient and healthy manner. That way everybody's space is being respected. That was such an amazing and insightful perspective and just, wow. Um, you know, talking to different people with different perspectives is so valuable. Um, and I hope you appreciate Daniel's perspective as much as I did. Uh, we're going to be back after the break um, with more from Daniel Chapman, author, musician, microbiologist. This is good, y'all. When I set my proper boundaries, a neurotypical person doesn't even have the opportunity to experience my weirdness in a way that they don't like. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Um, Usually (laughs) I'm uncomfortable or annoyed or think that people have said something God awful. I just, the way that most humans treat each other is just totally disgusting to me. That overly sensitive quote unquote that you mentioned, 
Um, I would never talk to people the way that some people do. The way that a lot of neurotypical people treat autistic people is just heinous to me. The way that people treat each other between races, all that. And I'm not even just talking about quote unquote white supremacists. The way that I see black people treating white people sometimes is just heinous to me. And, you know, uh, people, certainly people who are from other countries and just all of this. And, and so what I realized is usually I'm annoyed by you before you're annoyed by me. So if I'm truly being myself genuinely, then I'm not going to force myself further into discomfort with you. And then you never even have to deal with my meltdown. Right. Now that I have the choices, you know, I'm not being dragged around as a little kid going places that make me uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, if if the lights are too bright in the grocery store, I'm getting out of here. If the smells are funny, I'm leaving or whatever the thing is, you know. And even now I find myself forgetting to respect my own boundaries. And I, sometimes I get tricked into conversations and, and then I end up having to read people. But even in that, I don't feel bad about it because I'm like, okay, you were wrong, like wrong were wrong. And I should have cussed you out 20 minutes ago, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't. And I don't want to now. So I'm just going to remove myself from the situation. Right. You know, so I really, really appreciate your perspective. And I'm definitely going to be sharing this with my autism community because I just, People get mad at me, I think, because maybe I make it sound too easy sometimes, but I don't mean to. And it's not easy. And, and, and you know, they're sort of kind of negating my struggle because the whole too well adjusted to be autistic is basically saying <laughs> you think I'm behaving myself. You think that I'm acting, quote unquote, with etiquette or, you know, into whatever box you want me to fit into. But you have no idea of what's going on inside of me or what things make me uncomfortable or how hard I had to fit into that box. I'm, you know, I'm standing here with all this loud noise and music and people are hollering and whatever. And because I'm not screaming and ranting and raving, then I'm well adjusted. But that's not okay. It's not okay to want anyone to be uncomfortable like that. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like, oh, it's okay if you're uncomfortable as long as you know how to act. That's horrible. And we got to stop doing that to children and, you know, parents of autistic children and adults, stop doing that to them. Stop putting people in situations that are going to cause them meltdown repeatedly. It's, it's horrible. The simple things like not dragging your kid from store to store to store after eating macaroni and cheese and candy, no decent food, the lights are bright, you know, all the adults are hollering and then you're wondering why the kid had a meltdown. (laughs) It's just, it's cruel, you know? And yeah, so just, this is so refreshing. Thank you so much. You just, and, and even in having these discussions, you know, it's difficult because, you know, you just, people just can't relate. I mean, you know, most people wouldn't think it was a big deal to go to the doctor and all of a sudden, surprise, take your clothes off, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, I usually need a few days to work myself up to that. What do you mean? You know, so, but, you know, so, okay, so tell me, what is the next project for you? Um, and that goes for music and books, because, you know, if you're taking requests, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually planned on um, in, enjoying the response that, that I've been getting from people who have, have been reading Teacher Girl to Fish and then understanding what that, what that book means. The, the first book was written completely unintentional. It was like my personal relation with my grandfather just sem- seemed to translate to something uh, a lot of other people could re- relate to. Um, but so good. Oh, that <laughs> you guys, I don't care how old you are. And if you have kids or not, 
can you catch, can you find a four leaf clover? Took me back to my childhood looking for four leaf clovers. I mean, I literally was having flashbacks. It was so good. <laughs> and then uh, Teach a Girl to Fish was, was in, intentionally written with the, with my future child in mind, along with all of, I have like 11 nieces, <laughs> with all of my nieces in mine, with all of my nephews in mine, um, understanding I'm all about, especially with the late diagnosis and everything, and then growing up the way I grew up, I'm all about boxes being broken. Like, mm-hmm. don't try and force someone into this ideology that you think they should be because we are all unique individuals at the end of the day we all have something to contribute and when we start to forget that or start to overlook that that's when humanity starts to break down humanity lives inside of all of that artisticness and recently i've been enjoying saying autisticness uh, <laughs> i love it i think uh you know the, those differences that we try to avoid or we try to like wipe out so that we could all be this cookie cutter let's make sure you know it fits for everyone let's make sure it's okay you know you just have to suffer knowing this and you know I I grew up a lot of people joke that I'm kind of a feminist um I grew up in a family of women um my grandmother would beat me senseless uh if I ever thought the wrong way um I have this joke with my fiance because she's a very uh, rough person, mm-hmm. um, but she she grew up in a family of boys. Uh, she's gangster Barbie. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's my my big sister is too. She's gangster Barbie. She always was beating people up for me left and right for <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner when we were growing up. <laughs> so she would like, but she's the prissier one though. She's more girly than I am, but she's the gangster Barbie too. <laughs> So I I tell her I tell her like I picture her running around with her, you know, boy cousin screaming King Sam. Uh, so I'm like, look, you're a king, you're a king. And then uh, we have a friend who actually match made us, um, who calls me a queen from time to time, because I am flamboyant <laughs> in a lot of things that I do. It's part of my personality, and I'm like, you know what? You know, girls can be rough. Boys can be sensitive. That's right. Like, we need to start encouraging these things because when you tell them they can't, then you end up with these boys who are sensitive and these girls who are rough who are growing up thinking that they're wrong. That's right. And thinking that it means something more than what it means. Just because you're a guy and I and, and no, and how white people say my best friend is black. I have a lot of best friends who are gay. So this is not any negative negative statement against gay. But I do know a guy who, and some people say that, you know, this is impossible, but I just choose to believe people when they tell me their story. But he's married and has children now. And for a long time, he thought he was gay because that's what everybody told him about himself because he's flamboyant and he likes fashion and he's really gorgeous. And, you know, and that it doesn't mean that. You know, and if that means it to you, then that's what it means to you. But you can't just put that label on somebody just because they like art or fashion or whatever. And we got to stop doing that. Right. Right. Like labels, labels, labels are terrible. Like they tear people apart. 
like especially like kids like that's what it's about it's like for me it's it's about as i was writing teacher girl to fish i was sitting there writing and i, I wrote maybe the first two stanzas uh, and then I started thinking about, okay, uh, you know, when my little girl gets to the, to the next stage of life, what do I want her to understand? When my nieces get to that next stage of life, what do they understand? What do I want them to understand? Mm-hmm. I have a little sister who is 15 now. When when she gets to the next stage of life, it's I want them to understand so much more about who they are and be so comfortable in who they are that nobody can tear that away from them. Mm-hmm. I know my family. I know I know my sisters. And I know my grandmother. So I know that my nieces are, you know, I, I have a little, she just turned two, two-year-old niece who, you know, punches on her brother and runs around and rolls in dirt and all of these things. And I'm like, you know, if we're going to encourage one child to do this, you know, and my family admittedly is, is good at this. They definitely encourage all of it. But then she's going to get outside of these mm-hmm. walls and hear, oh, little girls don't do that. Mm-hmm. Little girls shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. So it, it became very apparent to me that, you know, maybe this is something that I should continue because these are problems that are continuous. How about, oh, first I wanted to tell you that we were, we were talking about that as well the other day. Um, I was saying that I think all, I think that all white people should be anti-white supremacy. I think all men should be feminists, but I think that black people should take the high road. Do you know what I mean? Whatever, whoever the underdog is, it's your job to take the high road, but whoever's on the other side, it's your job to be, do you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, the other thing I wanted to say from what you said, oh, the the next book and the, if you do a series, I mean, certainly you can do, you know, can you teach a girl to this and that and the other, but what about can you teach a boy to knit? Oh, absolutely. I am taking that. You know, since you're bringing your grandparents in and like your grandma could be teaching the boy, because I have seen some men that knit that are just, oh my goodness. So it's like such a Zen thing to do, you know, and it teaches life lessons and all that, like you said. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I knit. So that's why I came (laughs) up with that idea. (laughs) I'm definitely taking that as a formal request. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, um, Daniel, is there anything else that, um, let me, hey, hold on, let me look at my list and make sure I didn't miss it. Um, and if somebody asks questions, Daniel, I'm definitely going to send you the link for messages. Like you can come back and fill us back in on anything. Or if you have any like new projects or announcements or when your book comes out or new songs. Oh, I know. Here's a big question. We talked about balance and we talked about, you know, how you hold it all together and this and that and the other, but a lot of writers and musicians experience writer's block. And I think for me, I don't have so much of a hard time with that. Like I might not be able to focus on the one project that I'm writing, but I can always go write something and work on something else. Do you have, do you experience that writer's block issue with music or with, um, literature and if so how do you get past it Uh, i believe that it's something that i might but i do so much so if i have uh my brain is just always constantly going (laughs) but so if i have something that uh pops or i'm working on something and i have something i get to a point where i'm like oh i can't continue with this 
then something else will pop up in my head. And I guess that's me trying to force mm-hmm. it, but I know that I'm trying to force it. So I'll completely take it somewhere else. I'm like, oh, this doesn't really go with this song. I guess this mm-hmm. song is dead right now. Um, but this little two sentences that popped up would make for a really great poem or the beginning of a really great story. And then sometimes I'll start to write that yes. and then I'll look at that and I'm like, you know what, that actually did work there in that song. Let me go back. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I think we kind of solved the issue for everyone because, okay, so, and just listening to different people speak on this and what I do personally, I think that when we talk about that polymath thing where you, you're a scientist and you're, you know, you're an, well, I don't want to say scientist in this, in this perspective. I want to say inventor. You know, you're an inventor and you're a musician, you're an artist, you're a writer. You've got all these different ideas in various lanes kind of swirling around and fighting their way to the top all the time. And when you tap into all of those things, keep your notebooks, you know, have your notebooks on your computer, your print notebooks, whatever, and you you allow yourself to let those ideas flow, you never really experience a block because A, you're always doing something different. So it's kind of refreshing to get back to writing that story. But B, if you experience a block, then it's just not the time to work on that thing right now. It's time to work on that other thing that's called right. your name. I think this is where it definitely comes back to boxes. I think as humans just love their boxes so much, society loves their boxes so much that we've taught people to put themselves into boxes. Uh, And being an Mm -hmm. artist is literally working outside of the box. So uh, when you find Mm -hmm. yourself doing that, uh, I think writer's block is just now that society voice saying, hey, you're too far outside of the box. Let's revisit the box. Uh, So we feel like we feel Mm -hmm. the need to put ourselves back there. I think, honestly, just keep pushing with it is the way to go. We're dynamic Mm -hmm. people. Be a dynamic Mm -hmm. person. That's so awesome. Well, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with or anything that you maybe uh, have going on or coming up or anything that you wanted to share that I didn't um, Upcoming projects. I have a mixtape coming out uh, October 31st. It is my grandmother's birthday. She was born on Halloween. Uh, yeah, I always oh, figure yeah. that's probably why she's so scary. <laughs> but um, I have a mixtape coming out called Cell Perfect, um, a little play on the whole science art thing. I'm a huge nerd. I love Dragon Ball Z. Um, so it's a little play on that, a little play on, um, you know, perfecting whatever lane we get into, uh, music specifically. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's my brother's favorite thing in the world. He loves it. He loves the evolution of it. Um, and we talk every day about, you know, what music is now, what music used to be. Uh, and what makes music great in general. So Cell Perfect is kind of uh, my last few songs of, uh, as I've been trying to work the process of me trying to master it and learning as much as I can. It's me putting the application of everything that I've learned into each song and trying to blend what I do with what I'm trying to do. Um, And then uh, I have a, bit of a novel I've been working on. I've been publishing them as short stories. Um, it's a sci-fi short I publish on vocal media. Um, 
vocal media, vocal.media. I encourage okay. every writer to go check it out and write on it. It's awesome. But uh, yeah, it's called a uh, projection. Uh, I grew up in a very, 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 very Christian household. Um, and my grandfather kind of made sure that I had a very strong spiritual connection. He made sure that Southern Baptist or AME or what? Uh, so okay. I, I grew up with a closeness uh, to God and religion in general. And when I lost my grandfather, I kind of felt like I lost a piece of that, but I didn't want to lose my spirituality altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a lot of research into mm-hmm. everything that I could involving religion. Uh, and I like to keep an, an open mind on things and, try and learn but what i learned as i read through each of the world's religions and philosophies is that it all came down to one thing and that's the one thing that my grandfather always always tried to push and instill and that is true and honest selfless love yes and i was like okay okay so then i started like approaching learning religion from that aspect ended up falling in love with buddhism as a philosophy Uh, and uh, then started experimenting with uh, things like astral projection and and things of that nature and understanding that our spirit uh, is kind of the powerhouse of our body. It's the thing that moves us, Um, but it's very real and very alive, and I have kind of these ideas floating around about it and kind of how I interpret um some of the stories that i've been told growing up and some of the ways that religion has been perverted over the years uh, to make sure we were fighting each mm-hmm. other and not loving selflessly uh right. so i kind of tried to wrap that all right. into this interesting story it started off as this kind of homage to my fiance and how she brought me back uh from the depths of my mind uh and kind of how I like always knew she was the one, because um, uh-huh. I I do believe uh, in love. I'm a sappy love person, <laughs> and uh, I kind of I tell her all the time. I actually used to have this dream uh, about this face about this faceless woman. Never had a face, never pictured her face. I only saw, I guess, her soul. Like I saw what mm-hmm. she was and I knew she was meant to, to be in my life because I kept having this recurring dream about her. And then when I met her, when I met my fiance in college, I kind of felt like that picture was complete, that I met who I was supposed to meet. Uh, and from there, we've, we've been inseparable ever, ever since. And she certainly helped me grow uh, in every way possible. Um, so I kind of started penning this story as a way to, you know, because I kind of used poetry and writing as a way to explain better. That's kind of how it started. You know, I knew mm-hmm. I wasn't good at explaining things when I was young. Um, so it was kind of my way of explaining that complex thought process of, hey, you're the one. I don't know how to really say uh, mm-hmm. that you've been the woman of my dreams 
since day one, but you have been. Um, and then it took on this life of its own, as stories typically do. Uh, and I started throwing all of these different things in there. So projection uh, is coming soon uh, to an Amazon near you. I look forward to that. Definitely. I thought, I think that the, uh, I read a post uh, where you were writing about her and I just thought it was the sweetest and, and I could just tell that she had, uh, she has a very, you know, I'm big on when we talk about balance and how you get a lot of stuff done and people who have families and all that. And I'm big on, you know, people not marge, um, compartmentalizing their lives and, you know, if you run a business, certainly find a way to incorporate, you know, your significant other or your family or spend as much time together as you can. So it really was very heartwarming the way, you know, that you talked about her. And um, I, that, it, it's nice to see that, you know, you're not just producing music or writing books, you know, you're taking a very holistic, well-rounded approach to it. And that's what I've been finding in this awesome writing community. Shout out to the writing community, because if I hadn't tapped into this little hashtag on Twitter and Instagram, I would not know all of these amazing people. But the thing that I'm starting to see is that, and, and based on what you've been talking about, I'm not even going to say writers and authors, because we all have that in us. So I'm going to say when you tap into your inner author and your inner writer. It kind of gives you sort of a, um, I guess, more compassion for the world. I, I don't even know if that's what it is, but I'm seeing this this awesome um, energy among all of the authors that I've been meeting in this sort of passion, just kind of for leaving something. You know, of course, not everybody. We're not all going to fit into it, but for the most part. Um, it, it kind of taps you into this sort of this thing that's inside of you to want to leave the world something of value, right. if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to your next um, book and I look forward to hearing this mixtape when it comes out. And we're going to share the links um, for everything that you talked about. Of course, you know, uh, I'll tag the show and tag you and and try to share as much stuff as I remember, but feel free to, to also tag and add anything that we might've forgotten to talk about. Cause I want all of you guys to follow on Twitter, Danny Deuce and it's D U E. Yes. Right. Yes. D U E C E. Right. And then on Instagram, it's 1202 Deuce D U E C E. And then on Amazon, follow Daniel Chapman and go and get these two awesome books, you guys, and really, really support him and support his efforts. You guys see that he's helping others and paying it forward. And you guys, these are the kind of people that we want to support. So share this interview, tell somebody, tell a musician artist who needs to be inspired, tell a writer who needs to be inspired, tell somebody who autistic who needs to be inspired, you guys. This is some good word and some good wisdom. And I thank you so much for being with me today and for sharing your time and your wisdom. I just really appreciate you and I'm honored. And I, I mean, you bowled me over because I was already impressed and thought you were an awesome guy, but I had no idea that it was going to be this good. We've never talked before, y'all. I didn't know he was this awesome of a presenter or, you know, I do, speaking of which, do you do speaking um, presentations, um, any type of... Um, group presentations uh, at all right I now? I do not. I don't. Well, we'll be adding that to the list just as soon <laughs> as I get a chance to. So, yeah, that's 
I'm going to make it my business to make sure that it, wherever I can get my foot in the door, you know, especially if it's with a writing community, autistic community or music people, I'm going to have you because your perspective is so refreshing and probably a few more areas I can think of. Um, but um, you guys, TXNL support. Um, I'm going to, um, you know, some of us writers don't do a whole lot of social media. Um, but he's a little bit more social than I am. So I'll definitely tag you with TXNL so you guys can find him. Um, a lot of our autistic um, people in our community, you guys, this is, y'all hear Fifi? I knew she was going to get going. You, can you hear her? Fifi, you're not supposed to do it in front of company. She does this little thing where she gets her um, toys or her bone and she starts running the obstacle course. <laughs> She's going around the dining room table, around the living room table, under the chair, under the couch. Ooh, and then walking between me and the cord. So just shift wrong move, she'll just snatch <laughs> everything off the table. So Fifi is our um, co-host for the show because she might on any random day just start barking or whining or whatever. I don't edit it. I just say, hey, y'all say hey, <laughs> hey to Fifi. <laughs> Do you uh, have I do. Pets? I have a cat named Callie. Oh, I, I kind don't of cat? know. She was a stray um, that my fiance, my fiance brought oh. home. Uh, we had talk, talked about getting a cat. Um, we had wanted an animal because uh, she deals with anxiety very heavy. Um, and then with the the diagnosis of my autism and being able to understand that there was. Uh, you know, some some things there we could we could talk about and work on. Um, we decided to get this kitten. Um, we actually found this kitten uh, and brought her home, nursed her back to health. She kind of had a eye infection and wasn't doing so well, but mm. it taught me to be gentler. Um, and it kind of taught her to ease ease up a little bit, or gave her someone to talk to. Um, that would just listen uh, when I wasn't there. I love, I love my Kelly. I love my Kelly. I love it. That's so awesome. See y'all add that to the list. We could do this all day. I appreciate your time so much. And I am going to be, I might even ask you back during the series, if you don't oh, mind. Absolutely. I love, I love being here. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, y'all have been listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, Andrea in the Morning, with my new friend, Daniel Chapman. You guys, 1202 Deuce or Danny Deuce on Twitter. You guys follow him, shout him out, tell him how much you appreciate this interview. And I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. We're going to have Daniel back with us again. Thank you so much, Daniel. You, you have a you great too. evening.